Welcome to the Whole Food Vegan Podcast. Exciting vegan food, no crap, no agenda. Helping you enjoy a wonderfully varied, tasty, easy to prepare and nutritious whole food plant-based diet. Simple tips, easy recipes and helpful hints on how to get more enticing vegan meals into your diet. Usually recorded after a bottle of Merlot on a Friday night. And welcome to episode two of series two of the Whole Food Vegan podcast. I'm Mark. Hello, I'm Sue. Hello, and we've had we've had again quite a good week. We've had friends over for dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, non-vegan friends. Yeah, it's always interesting to cook for non-vegans because they're always slightly apprehensive, I think, when they come for dinner. But generally speaking, they always end up eating and enjoying it and uh, yeah it worked out well it did and i think that the trick that we use is to go with some things that have got really strong flavors and possibly some different flavors to what people would have before yeah and then they're not thinking oh well where's the meat where's the meat yeah they're just enjoying the flavors and the textures Mm. and we very often um for that reason really like Japanese food mm. and we co- cooked a mushroom tonkotsu ramen uh, from a Sasha Gill book called Jackfruit and Blue Ginger which I'll put a link to in the show notes mm. absolutely amazing book yeah it's amazing you have this really nice broth it takes a while to cook but basically once it's cooking you just leave it and then all the noodles that go in we made this gluten-free because our friend who was coming over was gluten-free and then you just add the beans and the sweet corn and a bit of nori and it's actually really really delicious with loads of mushrooms you put shiitake mushrooms and chestnut mushrooms in um yeah it worked really well mm. it's good. so yeah i would i would definitely recommend that and, and if you're cooking for for, for uh non-vegans this is a really good book because it's got so much there's so many flavors going on mm. another thing i made this week was uh using up some celeriac so if you get a veg box at this time of year you're probably going to get a celeriac and if you don't know what to do with it this is a really good recipe from riverford again there's a link um the way I made it was actually slightly different to the recipe there because I actually fried the matchsticks of celeriac first. So you chopped it into matchsticks, yeah, into chips? Into, yeah, made into chips. And uh, it's basically celeriac spiced chips. So you cut them into matchsticks, you fry them in the frying pan for a little while so they go golden on the outside. But obviously they're not cooked. So then you add in the spices in the recipe and a little bit of water and some lemon zest and the juice of some lemon. And you just boil it for sort of 10 minutes or so and it cooks through but it's already browned and it kind of oh it's really nice it's a really nice way of using celeriac if you're kind of stuck for something to do and we'll put a we'll put a link to that in mm. the show notes mm. and with my half of the celeriac i uh, very often towards the end of the week i take all of the vegetables that i've got and i chuck them into a whizzer to make a sort of a mince and make a lasagna with them i have a real soft spot for lasagna so i did that with a leftover veg excluding the celeriac what i did with the celeriac is made a white sauce so instead of making a classic white sauce that you would for a lasagna i used celeriac so you steam it takes about 15 minutes to steam once it's steamed i threw the chunks of celeriac into a food processor i then put in a tablespoon of nooch about a teaspoon of mustard some olive oil turn the whizzer on and let it whiz and blend and then i dripped in soya milk till i got the right consistency and so i wanted the consistency of kind of a reasonably thick sauce like a bechamel sauce 
And that was what I put the soya milk in last so that I can control that consistency. Once I'd made the celeriac sauce, I then used it exactly the same as you would a regular white sauce with lasagna. Mm. And it's incredible. Mm. It's and really it's actually, tasty. It's really low fat. It's obviously completely gluten-free as well. So if you normally would make a sauce out of milk or margarine and flour... You can't do that if you're gluten-free. And, you know, if you wanted an easy option to get another vegetable in that dish, that's perfect. Mm. It was incredible. It was really good. good. And tastes nice as well. (laughs) Yeah, most importantly, it tastes good. (laughs) Yes. And uh, the other thing you made this week is pesto with the kale. So kale pesto is something that we make all the time. You basically, again, steam the kale until it's, you know, at the right consistency. It doesn't take very long. You've got to keep a watch on it. Um, and then you just whiz it in the whizzer with garlic, some pine nuts, or some cashew nuts, a bit of olive oil. Um, anything else that you chuck in there? I sometimes put some smoked paprika in. Oh, yeah, that's quite nice. Yeah. yeah. And you can put some herbs in if you've got herbs around, especially fresh herbs. They're really good. And just whiz it. And that's it. And just whiz it, blend it to a sauce, Perfect. and then stir it into mm. pasta. Mm. We've used it as blobs on pizza. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've also put it into a Buddha bowl, yeah. just separately on its own. Let it go cold. Yeah, and you can thin it down with some oil or water and make it into a dressing as well. That's quite good. And it's a fabulous way to get rid of. Well, get rid of makes it sound like we don't like it. <laughs> I love kale. Yeah, but it's a fantastic way to eat a huge amount of kale yeah. in one go. So it basically goes down to nothing. So you can get like a whole bag of kale, and it will wilt down to like a handful of kale uh, pesto. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, really good. Okay, so this week we're going to be talking a bit about bread, which is something that is kind of a fundamental of our diet and appreciate that not everyone eats bread but we do and there's so many different recipes out there for bread and so many different ways of using it it's a really versatile food stuff that's why we're, we're doing a whole episode on it today now my friend mark here is a bit of an expert in the sourdough department and i know sourdough has been so popular over lockdown lots of people have had an attempt at making it including myself less successfully than i would like but um mark you have a real talent for sourdough so tell us about it that. just seems to have worked so what I want to do is I'm not going to go through the entire recipe here so I will post the recipe uh, in the show notes the thing I want to go through is the importance of the technique so making a sourdough starter just do a search on Google I found a really good video on YouTube and I uh, used the recipe from YouTube to make my starter once you've got a starter going Uh, feed it every few days I have a tendency to leave mine a little bit longer so it gets fed um, weekly and to feed the the starter all you do is put in a bit of uh, flour and a bit of water and it's supposed to be equal by weight not by volume so you equal it by weight so when you look at it you feed it with much more flour than you would water but I to be honest I do now mine by eye I, I know the consistency so the thing with the sourdough is you put all of the ingredients in and you can either mix it by hand. I put it into a uh, bread machine, give it a mix for 10 minutes and then you really want eight hours and that's split into what well, eight and a half hours really split into two segments of four hours with a half hour break in the middle. So the first four hours put it in an enclosed container um, and I put mine I put mine into a casserole dish with a lid and I usually leave it on the windowsill on the radiator somewhere warm and every hour you go in and you kind of imagine you've got corners of the of the dough you pull a corner 
fold it into the middle again, go to the opposite corner, fold it into the middle. So you're taking four corners and all you're doing is you're just, you're just distributing the bubbles as they form within the dough. So do that every hour for four hours. And they call that north, south, east, west thing. They, they do. Yeah. And the, so here is the bit that I missed out on my first attempt or first couple of attempts. This next section is really, really key. What we're going to do is take the sourdough out of the container after four hours, put it onto a floured surface um, and then leave it for half an hour. And you, it must not be sealed. So you've got to let the outside of the dough form a skin. So it's the flour forms a skin on it. And it's that skin that stops it sticking in the next section. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do this bit, your flour dough will stick to the container. So you can then, once you've done that, had it for half an hour and you've got a lovely skin on it. I use a, 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 a quite a wide knife just to scoop it up off of the floured dough, uh, floured surface. I then put it into a, I've got a sort of a wicker basket with a muslin in it, or you could put a um, tea towel in it, something that's breathable. Scoop the dough up and gently lay it into the basket and leave it for another four hours. So it's quite a long process, but you don't have to be doing anything. You don't have time. You can leave it. Absolutely. The yeah. only bit is the first four hours where you've got to do the north, south, east, west yeah. every every hour. But you don't do that with the second bit. Correct. The second bit, the second four hour rest is literally just sitting there. Then to bake it again, very specifically, the so the volumes of, of flour and water that I'll give you in the recipe, you, you bake in an oven. You want to get your oven to about 220 Put the container in the oven. So again, I use a casserole dish with a lid lined with some greaseproof paper. You put that in there and let that get really hot. You want everything really hot. So once it's hot, you tip your sourdough into the container, into the greased uh, greased casserole dish, and put the lid on. And you bake it for 25 minutes with the lid on. You then take the lid off and bake it for another 25 minutes. And that's when you get the real crunchy, deep, dark um, crust of the sourdough. And it's just that final tipping it from the um, muslin lined basket into the uh, casserole dish. If you haven't done that little rest for half an hour to form the skin, it will stick. Mm. And then it just all falls apart and it, you end up with a mess everywhere and it's horrible. So that is really important. If you do that, I guarantee you will have the most amazing sourdough. And the wonderful thing about sourdough is that no two sourdoughs are ever the same because it depends on where you live. So it depends on what bacteria, specific bacteria you have within the sourdough. Um, Every place is different. Every location is different. So you get a very slightly different flavour. And I, I love it. And the thing with sourdough that makes it different from a lot of the other bread recipes that we're going to talk about is there's no yeast in it, is there, as such. So there's no It's added, flour and water. Yeah, it's, it's literally it. nothing else but flour and water. There's no sugar in it. There's no yeast in it. It's a tiny pinch of salt. Yep. And that's it. Flat so water. We were talking to a friend who has um, kind of a yeast allergy. And we were saying, well, could you eat sourdough? Because there's no yeast in it. And he's like, oh, I don't know. So interesting to find out. We'll have to give it a go and see yeah. what happens to him. <laughs> but yeah, all of the other recipes we're going to talk about um, are all slightly different. But you can use the sourdough basic recipe. You've used it for pizza, haven't you, as well? Yeah, you can use it. I've made little rolls out of it. Mm. So yeah. it's quite versatile. But it it just, is. It's a bit more time consuming. But again, it's a bit more... 
it's a bit more artisan, isn't it? So it's just nicer sometimes to have sourdough, but it has those nice big bubbles in it. It's really yeah. good toasted, especially with mushrooms on, I find. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so another thing that you make quite regularly using your bread machine is the pizza dough. We like a nice pizza, don't we? I love a mm. nice pizza. Yeah. And again, the pizza dough is really simple. I'll put the ingredients here in the in the show notes. Again, it, it's just so simple. It's literally throw all the ingredients into the bread machine, let the bread machine go for 45 minutes. Once it's done, take it out. And and I you can roll the pizza base out with a rolling pin if you want a thin one. Mm. But I agree with you. If you want it to be a kind of a thicker lighter more tasty base mm. i stretch it yeah, yeah and I it's think very right. stretchy i mean i i make my pizza dough personally out of the quick recipe that i'm going to give you and that is exceedingly stretchy because it's got a lot of sugar and stuff in so it's very stretchy and it's a very easy very quick tea if you're kind of thinking oh i really fancy pizza but i haven't got any i'll make this um so yeah pizza again pizza we could do a whole program on pizza easily because we love pizza and we make it from scratch very often you've made your own cheese to go on it as well I have. and we've even once made a tomato sauce out of your homegrown tomatoes we did we did <laughs> so this idea that pizza is really bad for you and it's real junk food and stuff it doesn't have to be it could be you know very natural and very very wholesome and there's loads of ways you, know, you can make your dough wholemeal for example or you mm-hmm. can add seeds to your dough or any sort of combination of that and actually whilst we're talking about that that's important is, is what what flour do we use yeah and i think anyone that listens to this podcast will know that we make stuff up as we go along absolutely so i use the quantity of flour that each of these recipes says but sometimes i'll do 100 percent white although very rarely more often, I'll do 50-50 of a wholemeal or a malted wholemeal. Or rye. Or rye sometimes put a bit of rye. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't put too much rye in because mm, that can heavy. be really heavy. Mm. But we we mix things up and find what we like. We But we both like uh, rye flour. So just to put in, say, 10%, 20% rye flour into any of these recipes really gives them a really different flavour. Mm. And all of these bread recipes, you know, if you make your own bread fairly regularly, you'll get to know how it feels and what works and you can play with it a bit more. So, again, it's about texture. So if you're used to making bread and handling it, you get used to how it should feel. And things like, you know, seasonal variation in the temperature of the environment. So in the summer, it doesn't take as long to rise the bread. Absolutely. But if you leave it for the same amount of time as you would in the winter, it'll be twice as big, perhaps, because it's just naturally getting more sunlight and it's Mm. growing because it's warming up. And, you know, you'll learn where the warm place in your house to put the bread if it's on the windowsill or in the airing cupboard um, and again you know you can play with the recipe once you're confident making it and you know how it should feel um, it's it's really easy to adapt it to how you want and I think it's great making bread with kids oh, yeah. so I made made bread with my granddaughter and she called it magic bread because yeah. she was like wow <laughs> mean, know how to make you it. put all this stuff together and you get this magic <laughs> thing at the end and we have a wonderful loaf of bread and, and it's a really great tactile thing yeah, to do it is and the trouble with making homemade bread as you know is the smell is amazing and it tastes even better than it smells so the only trouble with that is that you end up eating quite a lot of bread if you make it yourself which is why we have to make quite a lot of bread <laughs> but we do don't we we make I've, I've always got frozen bread in the freezer shop-bought bread for emergency because sometimes you run out of bread and don't get yeah. told to make it but we both routinely make all of our own bread yep. every single week we yep. make bread yeah and in that emergency category is what i'm going to call quick bread and this is a recipe which i use as a fail safe and if i get home and i haven't got any bread 
I haven't got a freezer that will fit a loaf of bread in, so I have to literally make it from scratch really quickly. And this is a brilliant bread recipe if you really don't have the ability or the time to stand there kneading a loaf of bread. So um, normally with bread, as you know, you would make it, you'd knead it, you'd let it sit, and then you'd knock it back and put it in the tin and bake it. With this recipe, you don't have to. So all you do is literally mix it with a wooden spoon to mix it together leave it to rise and chuck it in the oven. So it's really good if you've got like, you know, bad wrists or you've got carpal tunnel syndrome or something like that, or you just haven't got the time or you're too busy, but you haven't got any bread. And this is a recipe from Lauren Toyota, which um, you might find in her book, uh, Hot Food. Um, she's got a book called Vegan Comfort Classics. This is a really simple dough, which is very sweet. It's got a lot of sugar in it, but it works really quickly. And I've made pizza out of this and all sorts of things. Basically, you have uh, 400 grams of plain flour, a tablespoon of granulated sugar, two teaspoons of quick rise instant yeast, one teaspoon of sea salt and one tablespoon of vegetable oil and some warm water. You basically mix all the dry ingredients in a bowl. You mix the wet ingredients, uh, sorry, the water and the uh, sugar and the yeast and the oil in the jug. Pour the contents of the jug into the bowl of the dry ingredients, mix it with the spoon and just leave it. You just tip it into a tin and leave it to rise. And when it's risen for an hour, it's doubled in size, you chuck it in the oven. It's so simple and I use that recipe so often. Now, as we've said, I prefer, we both prefer wholemeal breads. I have started adapting this recipe and trying with different contents of mixture of rye or just adding some seeds or some wholemeal flour or some granary. It is possible, but you've got to be really careful because you don't want to basically put too much heavy flour in it because it's quite a lot that's the problem isn't it some of the particularly rye and the wholemeal flours mm -hmm. can be a bit heavy mm -hmm. and then they don't rise quite so well yeah and on the same category of quick breads uh, sometimes if you're making a curry or something like Lebanese or something along those lines you might think oh I really want some chapati or something like that we've regularly made flatbreads haven't we it's so simple I don't yeah, and I don't use any recipe at all. I literally just take a, a fistful size per person of white bread flour, chuck it in a bowl, a glug of, of olive oil, perhaps some herbs, sort of coriander. You could put some cumin in it as well if you're making a, a, a curry. And and then I just literally just a pinch of salt, pepper, just drip water in till you've got a, a, a dough. I stir it with a spoon, then flour my hands and get it out floured surface give it a good knead get your your palm of your uh, hand into it give it a really good squish stretch it all out divide it up into small balls roll it out with a rolling pin till it's thin or stretch it or stretch it that's it. And that's it. And, and then, stick it in a, a dry fry it. <laughs> yeah, you can dry fry it. You can also, I think, hold them over a flame will inflate them as well. But yeah, I mean, it hasn't got any yeast in it. Again, it's no. yeast-free bread. hasn't got any sugar in it. Um, it's just got a little bit of salt and some herbs if you fancy it. And it's so quick and easy. And that's the first bread that Indian children learn to make in India because it's so simple. Then you go on to your more you know, technical breads like naan bread and things like that. But yeah, it's a really quick way of making a very easy flat bread. And we've made it with sort of Mexican foods. We've had mm -hmm. it with soup when we haven't had any bread in. Um, just like quickly make something to go with some soup. Really, really handy to know that. If you look at our podcast from last week, so that would be Series 2, Episode 1, we made a Mediterranean meze cake. And in our recipe, we used a um, corn tortillas, but we've also made it in the past. Yes. We didn't have any tortillas. That's true. We mm -hmm. said, oh, hang on a minute, let's just make some quick breads. Yeah. So we, we made a, a sort of flatbread, just made some flatbreads to go with it. Yep, it's perfect, absolutely perfect, and really tasty, really nice. Um, and another thing that we 
obviously make from we can make it from any of the breads we've mentioned really uh i've made a few recipes for monkey bread which came out of my bread machine cookbook from years and years ago and you can make this as a sweet or a savory bread depending on what you want um you can probably use the um most likely the best one to make is just a regular bread mix or a sourdough or any of the bread mixes really even if you buy a packet and just mix it with some water you know some of those easy bread mixes and the idea of the monkey bread the reason it's called monkey bread is that you make lots of little tiny balls like perhaps the size of a golf ball out of the bread dough and you roll them in your hands and then you basically stack it in a tin so if you imagine you've got a baking tin a uh, high-sided one and you flour it and grease it on the bottom and then you put these little overlapping balls of dough on top of each other to make almost like a pyramid shape or uh, you know a couple of layers and you're trying to fill the gaps so that bread has room to grow as it rises and when you've got this kind of formation if you can imagine this kind of pyramid shape in a baking tin of all these bread dough um you know round little balls then you can add a sweet or a savory mix now for example, a savoury one that I've used quite a lot is garlic and herb. So just melt some garlic uh, and some butter and some herbs in a little dish, perhaps in the microwave or over a heat of saucepan. Pour it over the top of the dough. You can do salt and pepper bread. Uh, you can do a tomato sauce and tomato and herb bread. And you can pour the tomato sauce over the top. If you want a sweet dough, you can use anything like uh, syrup, grated lemon or lime rind um, you can use you know all sorts of herbs and spices like cinnamon mixed spice uh, all sorts of things and basically you can either have a sweet or a sour pouring sauce that you pour over the top once the bread's risen before you put it in the oven the idea is you cook it when you bring it out of the oven all of the sauce ingredients will have kind of incorporated into the bread and then you put it on the table when it's cooked and people can pull it apart so it's a sharing bread it's a tear and share bread really good mm. And then the only one we haven't spoken about really is ordinary bread, regular bread. Yeah, again, it's it's just so simple to make. Again, I will put all of the ingredients and the proportions that I use in the show notes. And it, it's there's no it's no more complicated than mixing it all together. If you've got a bread machine, I just put it on a dough cycle. So I I use my bread machine to skip the laborious part of making bread. Mm. I prefer bread, regular bread, a regular loaf of bread, baked in the oven. Um, I just think it has a nicer texture and you get a nicer shape than a, um, a bread machine bread. So I use my bread machine just to make the dough, just so that I don't have to stand there and knead it. Whereas I'm the opposite. I like to give something a good bashing once in a while and get all my aggression and frustration out <laughs> on it. So I actually really enjoy the process of getting a lump of bread dough and throwing it about. So, you know, horses, of course. And then it's just a case of once the once the dough machine has finished or your all your anger has gone, um, I put it into a lined bread tin and bake it in the oven for 25 minutes. And another little trick is once it's baked in the oven for 25 minutes, take it out of the oven, take it out of the tin and put it back in just sort of naked, as it were, back into the oven for five minutes. And that just crisps up the uh, crust nicely. Yeah. And what I do is I just literally turn it upside down in the tin and put it back in the oven for five yeah. minutes. But yeah, I mean... It there's so many recipes out there for bread and you'll meet someone who's a bread maker and they'll go, oh, try this recipe or get this book and have a look. I mean, there's thousands of recipes for regular bread, but it's it's really fun. Once you start making bread and you realize how easy it is and how nutritious and how tasty it is, because personally, you know, we don't want to eat 
a load of bread that's got a load of preservatives and a load of additives in and you know it's got stuff like alcohol in bread and why do you need all that I mean okay if you make a loaf of bread and you can't eat it or you can freeze some of it if you've got a freezer that's what we do mm. um, or give it away we usually share it between ourselves um, and it's just worth noting that if you're out buying um, sort of artisan bread just to make sure that it doesn't have an egg or a milk glaze yeah which which very often happens you think yeah. oh well, there's, there's no reason why bread can't be vegan yeah. uh, so why we obviously we don't put butter in I just put a glove of olive oil but if you're having them manufactured or produced in a local bakery they do very often yeah they do put an egg or a milk glaze on it and then it immediately turns it non-vegan but equally you could put you know, a plant milk on top if you want you to. Could do. Or even just water. If you just brush it with water, that makes it nice and crispy mm. as well. Um, and I'm just linking back to the kale pesto here, but you can also make monkey bread, going back to monkey bread, with the kale pesto. So that would be a, a very good use of kale pesto, just be to thin it down a bit and uh, pour it over as a... As a and I have made regular bread with, kesto, uh, with pesto. Mm. So you make the regular bread, you make the dough, yeah. and then get the pesto and very lightly stir it through with a stick so you get swirls of pesto through the bread, Mm. then let it rise and bake it, and you get a really nice uh, pesto bread. And i tell you what I've done with that, which is slightly different again, is to make the bread dough, roll it out fairly thick, spread a layer of pesto on it, and then roll it up like a big cartwheel and bake it seam side down, and you have like a seam of pesto going through the bread. It makes a really nice sort of dinner bread. Mm. There you go. Uh, see, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> it's probably a bit boring for everyone who's not a bread maker. <laughs> well, you should be a bread maker. Get onto it. Yeah, Let's start, start making bread. It's Absolutely fun. brilliant. And it's definitely one of the things that, you know, the pandemic they saw a massive boom in, in sourdough first, particularly yeah, particularly sourdough but also you know kids getting in the kitchen and making bread because who doesn't like pizza um and also artisan bakers you know there's been a real bo- you know boom industry in mm. bread because people were just looking at their staple foods and thinking if i'm stuck at home and food is my only pleasure i want to eat good food which is kind of where we're coming from really yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of summarises bread then. It does, doesn't it? I feel a slice of toast and marmite <laughs> come in. <laughs> so next week, what are we going to be talking about next week? So one of the things that's in season at the moment is sweet potato. And we've got some sweet potato recipes for sure. Um, but we're also going to particularly focus on beetroot. We thought beetroot is a really good earthy seasonal vegetable that we're going to have in our veg box quite a lot at the moment. So lots of beetroot recipes. And if you think beetroot is this little veg vegetable that you have pickled and it gets taken out on a Sunday afternoon in a salad we're going to open your eyes to a whole Mm. world of beetroot Mm. and we're going to use it in sweet savory curries all sorts of things it's incredible so listen next week beetroot is on the menu definitely all right well we look forward to speaking to you next week and as always keep us entertained with your messages and tell us where you're listening from and how your vegan journey is going and we'll speak to you then. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. If you'd like to be featured on the show or to send us any comments, please email behealthy at govegan.online. See you soon.